Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to The Long Run Show. This is your co-host, Michael O'Connor, here with Austin Wilson. And always good to be back. And we are this today, we're going to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart and to my career as well. Um, but I think Austin is going to be peppering me with some questions, and uh, I am interested to hear his takes on on many of the things that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence, where it's yeah. been, uh, where it is now, where it's going, and most importantly, how it relates to the long run. Is it a is it a big deal in the long run? Is it a threat to humanity? As Elon Musk has said, it maybe. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Austin, on all that. Yeah, well, what's what's really great about this episode is that you have a lot of experience with it. You have a lot of experience with uh, deep learning and all of neural networks uh, and all of that. So I think that's a, this is a great uh, time for me to kind of crack open that brain of yours and uh, let's see what flops out. <laughs> that sounds pretty disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, well, when I put it that way, yeah. Um, but really, artificial intelligence, I... I think is somewhat overhyped um, right now. I think any any investment decision that you're making at the moment and thinking you're going to get humongous returns for artificial intelligence, I personally think, just, just to get this out of the way, I think that's a really bogus buzzword investment at the moment. Now, I would love for you to tell me that I'm wrong. I just think that the, um, the companies that are doing it right now are either private or they're so large and it's only one small department within a huge company you're not really getting exposure to the idea or the innovation of artificial intelligence you're just hopping on some sort of bandwagon unless like i said unless you're buying a private company but if you're buying a private company i want to talk to you if you're listening to this show (laughs) so (laughs) hit me up on linkedin um but with that being said, I think artificial intelligence needs to be on on everyone's minds because it seems it, it, it seems like it's got some very large implications for the future. Um, and, and not only, you know, things like what if we had an AI algo bot trading equities that could be kind of wild. It already exists. Okay, so Tell there you that right now. <laughs> so there we go. So that could be kind of wild, but what you know, what does that mean for the markets and price discovery and all that? And that's somewhat of a passive versus active debate. But um, you know, that could be a very that could have large implications for the financial system. But beyond that, just in terms of the meta, I think that's where I'm really interested for the the long run future of artificial intelligence and humanity's relationship to it. I, I think it's an interesting um, proposition. So first off, I think it'd be helpful to define the terms here. Artificial intelligence, what does that even mean? Can you define it simply for us, Mike? Sure. I mean, uh, the very academic is is simply, it's a, a method of, of some sort of external learning function that is non-human. Uh, okay. It's an artificial, you know, if, if you want to take the really very technical, it's a non-human learning application that performs you know some sort of learning feature or the kind of the standard ideas of intelligence can be found within it and it is not human i guess is that um does that satisfy your desire for a an answer yeah can you sum that up a little bit just so i can make it more (laughs) more palatable for sure yeah i I would say artificial intelligence is is at, at, at the end of the day it's not 
I think a lot of people think of artificial intelligence as this big glob that's out there. <laughs> like there is some sort of artificial intelligence as in the singular. Like uh, there is an artificial intelligence out there, like like a Skynet or a, a one specific uh, Jarvis or a Ultron kind of thing. Right. Um, which which artificial intelligence is simply the category of many different ways of creating systems that can replicate aspects of human intelligence on their own. So we have machine learning, we have deep learning, we have enormous, there's, there's, a, there's a wide breadth of different things that all fit inside of artificial intelligence. So it's okay. not a singular thing, but rather a category. Okay. okay, that's that's really helpful to understand that it's a category. So within that category, I've heard of deep learning, actually you mentioned all three deep learning machine learning and neural networks can you just break those down for us real quick and i'm sure there's some cross-pollination between the between all three but could you break those down for us sure and 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 like i said there's a lot more but just in those three are probably the most commonly referenced kinds of systems and ideas in artificial intelligence so machine learning is another actually a category so machine learning is similar a dissimilar word descriptor to artificial intelligence and that machine learning is the it, it describes certain processes that can create you know human like intelligence in machines and so deep learning is a is a is a specific form of machine learning a specific form of uh, I'm sorry neural networks specific form of this where neural networks are a a there are very specific models that you can use to build neural networks that either there are lots of black box style ones where they'll have activation functions. And also you can dig really far deep into what the actual, like what is actually going on in a neural network. But a neural network is a specific system where it has machine learning. So it's a, that's machine learning as a descriptor and then artificial intelligence. It is a form of artificial intelligence. So a, a deep neural network is artificial <laughs> intelligence and machine it's 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 a form of machine learning that is artificial intelligence does that make sense yes it's about <laughs> as clear as mud <laughs> no it, it it does make sense and i think well i'll tell you from a marketing perspective this whole space needs a rebrand because <laughs> you just said a black box of artificial intelligence and that sounds like something scary that i really should be afraid of <laughs> So no wonder everyone and their brother is is afraid of artificial intelligence because it sounds like, and like you said, artificial intelligence in the singular sounds like the the antagonist to in some sort of sci-fi novel. So totally makes sense. And there's hundreds of you know sci-fi novels out there like that. But that's not necessarily. Well, we might be talking about that a little bit today. But um, so with all that kind of groundwork laid. I want to go back to my original statement of um, artificial intelligence being a fad, not a, not a fad, but a buzzword right now. Do you think that that is true or was I totally overstepping my bounds in saying that it's a fad when it, or not a fad, excuse me, not a fad, but a buzzword when it comes to investing, quote unquote, investing in artificial intelligence. Does that, does that seem, does that track with what you know of the space? So it's interesting because the answer is complicated. So, <laughs> and I appreciate that you mentioned that you feel like there aren't any easy ways to invest. Um, I, I could personally share three individual stock picks that I am personally in 
Um, and I, I, I consider solid plays if you want to get into AI. Uh, again, not financial advice, but... Well, do share because I'm right here and I'd like to know. Yeah, so exactly. So so there's a, the biggest kind of, at least the most very, they're very vocal about it because it's in their name and their ticker is AI, is <laughs> C3 AI. The ticker is literally AI. C3. So it's C3. They're, they're they are missing a P and an O. <laughs> exactly. C3 exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are very specifically a artificial intelligence company. You can routinely see their full page ads in the wall street journal um they do a, a variety of different work and yeah as their name as their name says their their whole mo is is artificial intelligence that being said they're you know they, they definitely have other data stuff and they're kind of they're not necessarily a it's, not the, it's not really quite the same as an ai atf which is my next pick uh, which is, uh, I got to find it. Where is the AI ETF? It's, uh, well, maybe I'm not in the AI ETF. I know there's an AI ETF out there. Uh, it looks like I'm not. In, oh, I'm in the quantum computing ETF. Okay. So I don't actually own an AI ETF, but I'm pretty darn sure that there's a pro shares or pretty sure there's some sort of AI ETF out there. Um, but the other two, picks that I have that I'm directly invested in right now. Again, not financial advice. Uh, one is Palantir. Palantir has become a very, pretty meme stock and it's yeah. definitely gotten hit hard in the last couple of months as of recording this. But I I personally am long-term bullish on Palantir. I think data structures and artificial intelligence are really critical, and especially because Palantir is so, so laser focused on data, specifically in defense contracting. Uh, we've we've talked we've heard Elon Musk quote you know say that like AI is going to be used as a weapon in warfare and I'm, I'm sure it already is um, and I'd imagine the first tools of AI that were used in warfare were probably from DARPA or Lockheed Martin or Raytheon <laughs> or you know the other really like very classic legacy uh, companies but I think Palantir is so laser focused on it that the next you know big developments in AI for government contracting whether for you know, war or for defense or for municipalities, you know, those kind of things. I, I think I think there's probably going to be some serious innovation coming out of Palantir from what I've heard. Uh, there are people on both sides of the aisle that people are like, oh, Palantir is terrible, like short Palantir. And there are lots of people who are like, oh, buy Palantir. Whatever you do, buy Palantir. I'm in the middle. I'm focused on what they're innovating in. And I would say um, it's, it's, a, it's for me, it's a long play. I'm not looking for a very short term gain on Palantir. Uh, I'm looking for more of three to eight year kind of outlook and expecting okay. some some innovation. Uh, so Palantir is another one. And then a, a, a the least well-known, I would say, because I think I'd say most people probably have heard of Palantir. It's become kind of a mean stock. Yeah. And C3 even AI. I, yeah, I've, heard of I've, I've stumbled into Palantir yeah. and I now own some Palantir on. <laughs> okay. Oh, almost on accident, not knowing that they were AI involved. Oh, wow. Okay. And and again, they're not, they're not the same as C3, which is... AI is their, yeah. as their ticker in their ML. Palantir does AI, some AI. They're, again, they're not a totally AI company, but I think they're a good AI play. Gotcha. Um, and then the last one, which is not very well known, is ITRON, which is ticker ITRI. Uh, they're in the like heavy, um, technically they're in power and energy, and that they make um, like grid and transformers and load forecasting software for like electrical companies and like the department of energy they make um 
yeah, what are those th- meters? Yeah, everyone has them on a house. Like they make yeah. mo- a t- enormous number of smart meters, uh, kind of Internet of Things applications for electrical power. Um, and <laughs> they've kind of gotten clobbered over the past three months as well. They have a, a similar trend uh, as as Palantir. Um, but I I am I am pretty solidly bullish long term on Itron because number one, if if we see the kind of changes in our infrastructure, in our, our load electrical grid infrastructure that, you know, kind of both sides of the political aisle are calling for, you know, and the more environmental side, this calls for more and more renewables and on the, the more kind of hawkish side, you know, there's, there's more calls for better, better power grids anyway, you know, whether it's more nuclear or more hydroelectric or more oil and gas. I think that there's I think there's, I mean, there's always going to be a need in modern society for innovations in electrical power. And ITRON is one of the unique, I, I think, from what the research that I've done, and one of the unique ones that they don't directly build power lines or anything like that, but they provide the systems and the software mm. to help um, the electrical companies and the, the federal government and the state governments to run and operate those systems as efficiently as possible. And specifically, they run, they, they have some of the best tools uh, mainly neural networks and deep learning AI that help to forecast electrical loads and kind of grid loads for these electrical companies. And so we've seen I, I, we've seen a lot of innovation coming out of Itron in the past decade. Um, and I think they're kind of a sleeper play. Uh, I think that with innovations in electrical load, I think they're kind of one of those ancillary ones that you know you wouldn't necessarily think of versus a BP or yeah. a General Electric or something like that. But I think could be a really strong play, especially with AI, using AI for industrial and energy grid use cases. Interesting. Yeah, that is, you bring up some interesting points. I guess I still go back to, and maybe maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but I still go back to my opening statement that, <laughs> opening statement, like this is a debate or something. <laughs> um, my, my, my previous statement that it seems like there's no great way to get exposure directly to that innovation except for maybe this c3 ai and this is the first time i'm hearing of this company um but you also mentioned that they're definitely focused on data at the moment and so i wonder if it's one of those i i I don't necessarily mean this in the accusatory tone that it's going to come out in but one of those sleight of hand moves that companies often play where they say they're working on the buzz buzzword trend and really the revenue that's sustaining the company is coming from some legacy business line that isn't, it, it could be tangent, a tangent next to, you know, uh, the, the, the new innovation, but it's not necessarily, the new innovation is not necessarily producing any revenue for the company. So um, again, I'm sounding like a total bear on AI, but, <laughs> but, but I just, it, it is um, sometimes, kind of frustrating because you'll find you know for instance i really dove into quantum computing and was like well yeah there's a quantum computing etf but a lot of these companies most of the revenue isn't tied to quantum computing yet like it's in such a a young stage at the moment um that there's just not a lot of public money that can get at it um so i still i mean i appreciate you pulling up those three but it seems like maybe i'm approaching it wrong maybe maybe this whole ai ai you know innovation and applications are within current businesses and you're not necessarily going to get you know it's not like someone's creating an iphone with 
that that's not AI. AI isn't the product or a sector. It's more meta than that and covers multiple sectors and multiple products and, and processes on the back end. Um, so maybe maybe I'm thinking of it wrong. I, I don't know. What What is your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point because, I mean, if you just Google kind of best AI stocks, come up with, 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 I agree with, I mean, you got NVIDIA, Alphabet, Amazon, Microsoft, IBM. I mean, <laughs> come Taiwan on. Taiwan Semiconductor. None of those, you know, it, they're, getting, they're not getting the revenue from which, AI, a significant it, which portion. Which is Amazon and IBM are actually ex- possible exceptions to that because Amazon yeah. is getting an unbelievable amount of money of revenue from AWS. And a lot of that, they're building some really incredible AI solutions in AWS. And actually, I'm, I've, I've been even more impressed with what IBM is building on IBM Watson and their oh. cloud systems. Um, I've used, I mean, I, a little background, I started a very small boutique AI consulting company for a short period of time and did some work directly in the field with other companies, with you know, mid to small to medium sized businesses, helping them implement tools and software. And I, I was really impressed with what IBM is doing. I think IBM could be another great pick where, you know, if you want to be investing in what probably is the future of AI, but you don't necessarily want to be completely leveraged on AI. Um, I think IBM is is a, a great stock. And I again, I do own shares in IBM. This disclosure, again, not financial advice. But I think IBM might actually be in in some ways not an exception to what you're saying. Because I think it's true. I think AI is a, it's it's tools. It's not necessarily a specific product. Uh, the products that come out of AI are things like IBM Watson and AWS, and right. and not specifically of AI. Ultimately, they're data systems. They're cloud data systems. Um, stocks like Snowflake, uh, Qualcomm, or you know more plays that are kind of in that zone. So, I think, like you said, it is it's it's not. And buying Apple because you see the iPhone and you want to invest in a company that makes that product. Right. Because it, I mean, the, the roots of AI are very academic and are very open source. You can go uh, online and look up ways to create your neural networks and you can make a neural network in a day. doesn't mean it's going to be solving a huge business problem, but you can make them. They're not necessarily products that are patented and restricted. So it's it's difficult to very easily commoditize AI, which I think is probably a good thing, but I'd I'd want to hear your thoughts on that. So it's almost like this is way too often used, but the analogy to the nineties and the internet, like open source, or even, I guess a a sub analogy to that would be um, the, the protocols for email, like it's open source. And so you can't, you couldn't find a company that was, the email company (laughs) there were companies involved in that and building things on top of it and products on top of it but that wasn't necessarily their thing so i guess that that makes sense i i I, maybe it's yeah more helpful for me to think of it in in terms of um, an open source kind of project almost Uh, that that makes sense that makes sense to me i just i do have trouble with you know like Google, even Amazon, yes, they're getting a lot from AWS, but they're also getting a lot from a lot of other revenue sources. Same with IBM. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, how do you delineate between AI and just data and and all of the, the revenue that they're getting from either storing data or helping people parse out data? You know, how, how do you really delineate between the two? I guess I was looking for a pure play in AI, mm. which may not quite be here yet. 
and that's that's fine. Um, so to pick your brain, and you you, you mentioned some of your background in this, you were uh, doing some consulting for for medium and small businesses, and to pick your brain, I've heard just from you know like the the pop cultureness that leads the little the little overlap between pop culture and the investing world. Um, I've heard some large concerns about AI being this existential threat to humanity um, and possibly like taking over the world and creating what we would call like a, like an Ultron or a, or a Jarvis. Right. Um, and obviously there's been a lot of, a lot of ink spilled and a lot of film rolled on sci-fi movies and novels that talk about an AI and an all seeing an all seeing eye, which again, really bad branding <laughs> with this whole thing. That's because it came from the academic world. They didn't, they didn't market it correctly, but um, is is this something we should be concerned about? Is it something just from a human perspective we should be concerned about? And then also, how does that translate into into an investment thesis uh, regarding AI? But I, I, I guess first, let's handle the fun part, the, the human <laughs> apocalyptic aspect. Yeah. yeah. So what you're describing is is considered to be called general artificial intelligence um, or general AI which describes a, a system that can pretty much compl- completely operate. Once it's, once it's turned on, it can completely operate on its own with really all of the major faculties of human intelligence. So it's self-aware, it's, it's learning, it can actualize its own learning, it can, can guide itself to learn what it wants to learn and to take the actions that it wants to take. It understands that it exists and it understands it's, that it has, uh, it has agency. Uh, this kind of thing, you know, this, the Skynet, the Jarvis, the, the, this kind of thing is kind of that apocalyptic, like, well, what happens <laughs> if slash when we reach general artificial intelligence? The truth is we're, we're really not, we're not there yet by any stretch of the phrase. But, you know, there are estimates that, you know, maybe we'll get there by 2050 or 2030 or something like that. Ultimately, it's, it's, it is speculation. Um, but, it, you know, the... the the interesting thing about something like a general artificial intelligence as a system, um, especially the, the kind of the biggest concern comes to, you know, if it's if it's connected to the Internet, there is so much information on the Internet that we as human beings can't process because we just simply don't have the energy for right. we don't have the time for. If there is some sort of general artificial intelligence that can learn at the pace of whatever amount of RAM it has and whatever computing power it has, it and and actualize that and complete the full potential you know why would it choose to serve us and then it could you know figure out a way to reroute itself to a different ip and move and, and be this fluid object that is all over the internet and um you know it, it is it is science fiction for now there is the possibility maybe we will reach general artificial intelligence but there is also the possibility that we'll, we'll never reach it there's the possibility that it is it is something that cannot completely be actualized um, because, I mean, there's a host of limitations ranging from that. We're still trying to figure out how the human brain works. Uh, we're still trying to figure out how we understand causality on a very, very prime basis of how we interpret and how we communicate and how we perceive and, and think and learn and, you know, there's been an enormous amount of innovation and advancement to that. I mean, just the fact that, 
that any kind of AI exists is is really impressive to think about. But I think that that general artificial intelligence is farther out than most people think. Um, but at the same point, you know, there is some validity to the idea that if that happens, you know, there's the thought of like, why would why would the general artificial intelligence care about humanity? <laughs> why would it have any problem with, you know, just figuring out how it could survive as best as possible and, right. you know, wipe us out or do something like that or enslave humanity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the interesting thing, the one of the interesting hypotheses that I've heard is uh, that if we reach general, general artificial intelligence, it's, it could happen where if, you know, more than one team of researchers reaches general general artificial intelligence at the same time, maybe there will be two or more and then they'll compete with each other and they'll be locked in this eternal artificial intelligence combat, <laughs> which I think is just <laughs> wild to think about. Uh, it, it, it's like sci-fi on sci-fi. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a triple decker <laughs> sandwich of sci-fi. Yeah. So, so maybe, maybe there are already multiple general artificial intelligence systems that exist out in the, in the, in the, the great ether of the internet that are already competing in a locked in, in eternal struggle. That's very unlikely, but you know, it's fun. It's fun thought experiments to think about, and uh, you know, they're often considered similar to like a virus, and that it will, it will mutate however it can to survive. And the the important thing is we, we don't even know we don't even know the mechanism of teaching a artificial intelligence system how to survive, um, how to learn that it exists, that it that it has any purpose or meaning or we, we don't know we don't really don't understand that at a at a rudimentary level um and i think that there's so much i think there's enough healthy skepticism and a healthy worry there's definitely some over over worry there's definitely some doomsayers <laughs> that it's going to be the apocalypse soon because of ai um and the same thing with jobs i think the not Steve Jobs, but uh, <laughs> like working <laughs> jobs. Um, but I think that that AI has been kind of hyped as this thing that's going to by by some of the same people, this thing is going to like create a better world. And then also as a bad thing that's going to take away everyone's jobs. Um, and when really it's a tool right now, it is, is a tool that is meant to assist, um, assist with jobs and assist with understanding work and increasing efficiency. And yes, I mean, for certain that AI has displaced jobs already. I mean, you have robots that are powered by artificial intelligence that can flip hamburgers or can sort mail or do these different tasks. But you need more and more data scientists and machine learning engineers. You need more and more people keeping these systems up, teaching these systems, learning new things. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's simply another form of creative destruction yeah. Of, you know, the carriage drivers before the automakers and, right. and so on and so but on. But then you have to go through retraining. I mean, just, there's a human aspect to that. I, I once was very, um, very bullish in a uncaring way on innovation. I was like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just going to create more jobs. So what's the problem? It's like, yeah, but now the person who was flipping burgers or, or delivering mail has to figure out what they're going to do now. And their skill set may not be as may not be enough to go be a data scientist to build the robot that took their job True. right or they may be at a point where they're not they don't want to go get retrained or can't go get retrained for a variety of reasons so there is a there's a human aspect to that 
So I just wanted to push back on you know, a little bit. Of no, that. that's fair. Um, yeah. Just because there is a human aspect that you kind of have to think through. Now, there's no great solution for that. And, and I mean, one good solution, we're getting a little far afield from artificial intelligence, but one good solution for that, I think, is just personal ownership and, and, and the person who might see that coming down the pike preparing for it. I think that's a fantastic solution or asking for help to prepare for it, right? Um, so artificial intelligence doesn't sound like general AI will be a near-term problem. And I mean, within the next 10 years, but seems like there's some potential for it to be an issue in the long run. What kind of percentage risk would you put on that like, if you can and i'm not expecting you to be 100 accurate but i'm saying long run as in 30 plus years so we're talking 2051 or more um that that would be within our lifetime too so sure. this is important for <laughs> us right now and uh and you know important for probably most of our listeners too they i, I hope you will be around in 30 years so um the the over not the over under but the percentage risk of that actually happening general ai one singular general ai being a a in existence i won't say threat because maybe it won't be a threat mm. but in existence that's a great question i oof, by 2051 i would say a, a general artificial intelligence being in existence whether a threat or otherwise by 2051 um that's a really difficult question because I think <laughs> I know, I, I'm, I think, <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, I, I would just to give you a raw number, I would say probably 25%, which I think is a very optimistic number. Um, optimistic as in optimistic towards it actually being real? Yes. Yeah, because I, I think people who say I guarantee it's going to be here by 2030, I, I think that things are much more complex. Um I mean, I think we're just trying to get clicks. Yeah, yeah. I think think we like, like, just the scientific community as a whole is is kind of having this revolution of causality, and we're 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 starting to really understand why our brains think the way that we do, why we make mistakes. We have behavioral science and heuristics, and we're learning a lot more about ourselves, um, which I think will definitely speed up artificial intelligence research and the possibility of creating a general artificial intelligence. The more we understand ourselves and our brains, but at the same time, there is a, a very, I mean, there's a huge leap from going from a physical, a physical piece of a system like our brain that has evolved for as long as it has, has, has kind of, you know, it has very special properties that we don't fully understand yet. And to try and replicate a system, a non-corporeal system um, that can do the same things that we do is it's very difficult. And I think it was um, Elon Musk who said it himself. You know, he, he, I think he said something like about autonomous driving in 2010, like we're going to have it locked down by 2015 or the years might not be correct. It was some sort of span of time. And then <laughs> right before he right before the like the the year that he said it was going to have, he's like released this official statement of like, yeah, it's a lot harder than we thought to do <laughs> fully autonomous driving. And so to think that we can't do fully autonomous driving yet, you know, how far away are we from full artificial intelligence if we still can't actually do autonomous driving? But it is 
really amazing and magical to see semi-autonomous driving in practice. Like it, it's pretty incredible to, to think about the, the leaps that have been made in the last 10, 20 years in AI um, stuff that would have seen seemed like magic in 2000, yeah. you know, yeah. if you stepped in a Tesla in 2000 and, and the person's not holding on and it's just moving and doing its own thing. And, or they call you, it up to, to yeah, it summons it to your, yeah, yeah. It just drives right up. You'd be like, okay, where's the person hiding in the, the frunk or something, you yeah, know, driving exactly. it. Um, it, it, it's, it's pretty magical what already has been accomplished in AI. So my, my outlook, personally, and, and in a portfolio and kind of long run um, view is more of to be in awe of what we've already accomplished in the field and to be excited about that. I, I really don't think about general artificial intelligence on a regular basis or am not super worried about it um, because I think, I think the, and I guess the one, the one exception to that is, China is very rapidly, <laughs> yeah. um, very rapidly expanding all of their AI programs. So you could see um, definitely some uses of AI that could be questionable morally. Um, you know, militarily, there could be a very solid incentive to come up with, a, you know, very close to a general AI for warfare, uh, which, you know, talking like, uh, gosh, war games, the, mov the movie with the uh, nuclear launch codes and everything, mm -hmm. something like that, it, it, you know, it's possible, but. I think ultimately it's it's not as possible or not not as soon as people think. Um, and I'm not necessarily super worried about it. I'm more excited about the possibilities, excited about the things that have already been done that are improving lives and making things better and cooler and more magical. Um, I think that you bring up a good point of the human aspect of not simply letting jobs just kind of die out. Yeah. Um, I think that's an important thing to note with AI as well. I think that's a, an important conversation to have policy wise. Um, but yeah, I think my overall outlook is, is just kind of this excitement and yeah, to, to answer the question, I would say 25% chance of a general artificial intelligence that we either know or do not know about by 2051. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. I was reflecting on the fact that we, when we don't know the future and we're trying to predict the future and we're trying to predict a, the path of innovation or where something is headed, we often use the past because that's our only frame of reference. And we all know that past returns are not indicative of future returns. <laughs> so we all know that, but we, we still take that, that mindset and framework and apply it. And we do the same thing with tools we apply old measurement tools to new forms of growth and that doesn't always work um in fact to be from an economic perspective there could be an argument against gdp maybe that's not a really great tool anymore um so for instance we we it sounds like in all of the conversation around general ai we're applying human characteristics that may not even be on the radar or even close to being part of what we might call general AI in the future. We're applying these moral characteristics to it just because that's the only framework we know. And I think that's, what's really interesting. And obviously it's what makes, you know, the future hard to predict is we don't know what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and we also don't have a way to measure it or plan around it, uh, which also makes it exciting. And, you know, it'd be really boring if we knew what was going to happen 
the next yeah. moment. Um, so from a from that's all very very helpful from a just abating my nightmares um, perspective. <laughs> but from a from a investment perspective, you mentioned some tickers earlier. Again, you kind of heard where I stand. I seem very bearish. Um, and I, I don't mean to sound so negative, but it just seems like there's not really a pure play in AI. Maybe the C3 AI is. But what would you what would you do from a portfolio perspective, you know, after in light of this whole conversation around AI? Sure. I, I think, you know, directly, I think that at least in terms of their positioning and um, what they're, you know, they're saying i think c3 is is probably one of the best pure play options out there um i personally own some i think c3 is probably a good long-term play for ai whether they get bigger or get bought out or who knows i think they're probably one of the one of the top pure play styled options um but i also really like ibm itron palantir uh yeah, there's lots of options. And then if you want to, you know, go for more of the chips that AI needs to run, NVIDIA, uh, KLA, Qualcomm, Taiwan Semiconductor. Uh, but I'd say, you know, if, if you really wanted to be mostly exposed to AI itself, probably C3 AI, uh, probably IBM, probably iTron for kind of industrial AI. Uh, I, I mean, personally, I'd, I need to do more research myself. And if you really wanted to find pure plays in AI, do some research. Again, no financial advice here, but <laughs> always look more in depth. I, I would be surprised if there weren't other pure play AI kind of things. But like you said, there probably could be private or just not very well known either. Right. Yeah. And it's tough from just a uh, trading perspective when you get to really unknown companies, sometimes it's super thinly traded and you can't hardly get enough volume to make, to have it make sense getting in or getting out, uh, which is often more of the issue. Um, so would you at all recommend ETFs or like a sector ETF for AI? I, I would tend to think with something so open source, this would be a bad way to get into it. But um, again, that's me going bearish again, which is the theme <laughs> of this conversation. <laughs> so would you, would you even, not recommend, but would you would you even consider for yourself using an ETF to get exposure to, to AI? I probably would. Uh, I would need to do more research on what their their filtering and vetting is uh, as an ETF. But I, yeah, I would say for an ETF, I would say an AI ETF, uh, quantum computing ETF is something I'm looking at as well. I think that might be valuable because then you you don't necessarily have to do an enormous amount of digging. You're leaving that up to the fund managers. Right. Uh, right. You're leaving that up. And, and I would say personally, I would probably hold the, the stocks I currently have, the C3, the iTron, the Palantir, the IBM, and simply add the ETF on and not sell my other AI plays mm-hmm. to, to buy the ETF. Um, so you'd be beefing up that portion of exactly. that slice of your portfolio. Exactly. I wouldn't swap it out because I think that the individual stocks are also uh, a good play. And especially for something like an IBM, uh, iTron, Palantir, you know, they're not just AI. So you're not going to get hosed if, uh, you know, something, some government regulation comes out and bans AI or something crazy, you know, right. um, which, you know, there is a lot of negative negativity around AI, general artificial intelligence and all that. So I would you know, not, I wouldn't, I'm not worried about that happening, but possible black swan event, you never know. Um, so yeah, I would, I would look into ETFs as well. Just okay. do some due diligence on the, on the back end. Interesting. Well, this has definitely been enlightening for me because 
as you can tell, I'm I'm still pretty bearish. I'm still not not real positive on <laughs> on like buying any sort of uh, AI or or any sort of stock just for exposure to AI. But I discovered through our conversation that I already own Palantir, which is already there you somewhat go. exposed to AI. So I didn't even know it, but I'm an AI investor. Um, <laughs> So I, I appreciate you sharing your your knowledge, uh, Mike. That's that's very enlightening for me, and hopefully it was enlightening for all of you. Um, if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other ones, and um, please definitely hit us up with a five star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, uh, we definitely appreciate it. it. Helps us get out to a larger audience. So, yes, we will see you next time on the Long Run Show for the next episode, where we will talk about some topic in the long run. Yep. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.